Uh, this morning, we will be uh, looking at uh, Proverbs for the next uh, few Lord's Days, Lord willing, and tonight we're going to be considering the topic of money, uh, which is a, a major uh, theme that comes up time and time again in the book of Proverbs, as we'll see tonight. So uh, I'm going to be reading from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 will be sort of springboard as we look at various topics throughout the book. Proverbs 3 verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Let us pray. Our Father, please bless us this night as we worship. We ask that you will bless us with ability to not only hear the words, but implement the words so far as they are true and to your glory. We ask for faith to do this. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, I'm glad that I was sitting in the pew uh, leading up to this because I have uh, sympathy for how you are going to be feeling for the next little while in terms of the heat. So I'm going to try to, without um, skimping, I'm going to condense what I can uh, for the sake of your bodies and souls, and mainly your bodies. Uh, but because we are good Reformed Christians, we do believe in the value of the body. So if you were just souls, well, we'd be here all night, wouldn't we? So uh, that's my first point in this uh, sermon without any points, uh, that I am trying to do my best. Now, how that will go, I don't know, because money and Christianity is a complicated topic. It causes people to say things and make judgments almost, it feels like, on a daily basis. It is also the case that it is a highly contextual topic. So we live in a city that is obviously uh, extremely expensive in terms of cost of living. We also, many of us, uh, in terms of the world's perspective, live in the very upper echelon of what it is to experience wealth. There may be people far wealthier than us, but if you look at the whole world in relation to us, we are very wealthy people. There is very little that we lack for. Uh, even the very fact that we can uh, drink water out of our taps and not have to necessarily worry where our next meal comes from puts us in a very privileged group of people. Some of us perhaps have been very poor at some points in our lives. Maybe some of us have actually been very wealthy at some points in our lives. And we find ourselves strangely through providence in sort of the opposite uh, spectrum from where we came. It can be very difficult for someone who uh, grows up wealthy to lose everything, but it can actually be in some respects more difficult for someone who had nothing to all of a sudden have everything. As I said, it is a very contextual topic and one we have to be exceedingly careful not to creep into the realm of legalism. I have seen 
uh, so many unbiblical opinions on money in the course of my theological journey and my ministry that uh, it may be one of the areas where the most insane comments are made about what is right and what is wrong. It's a topic that is, I'm sure, of great interest to many of you. Spencer, the poet, said that money is the greatest God below the sky, and there is much truth in that. It is a good servant, but it is a very dangerous master. And we have to be exceedingly careful about money and the topic of money. And I would say, in my experience, as the treasures increase, so do the dangers. And we have to be wary about that because uh, from a very young age, children are enamored with money and wealth, with rich people. And they love to talk about rich people. They love to ask about rich people. They like to say, can he or she buy that and this and that. And there's a sort of natural uh, enamoring of those who have money. And it starts from a very young age. So what do the Proverbs have to say about money? The first thing that we need to understand is that the Lord is the one who gives wealth. In Proverbs 10, verse 22, we're told the blessing of the Lord makes rich. Did you hear that? So you cannot say that richness or wealth is necessarily wrong or evil or something to be avoided. Some of the finest saints in all of God's Word were blessed with insane amounts of wealth. If you look at Abraham and what he possessed, he was an extremely wealthy person. Job, by the end of his trials, was blessed with greater wealth than what he had than at the beginning, and he was very wealthy. And we could go on with those who have had great wealth. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And His blessing is such that someone can be made rich and He adds no sorrow with it. That's true blessing from God. When He gives you wealth, but that He gives you wealth without sorrow. That's what makes it a blessing. You could say, the curse of the Lord makes rich if you were to take out those words and He adds no sorrow with it. But it is only a blessing of the Lord when He adds no sorrow with that blessing. Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7. It's a glorious prayer talking about how the Lord gives and how He is able to uh, create life. And she says in verse 7, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. It is ultimately the Lord who makes people wealthy. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 17, Moses is speaking to the Israelites and says, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. It is understood here in Deuteronomy that the Lord giving the Israelites power to get wealth is actually in connection with His covenant blessing upon them. 
So the fact of the matter is, the Lord gives to some what He denies to others. The Lord providentially arranges that there will be some who will be very wealthy, and there will be some who will not be wealthy. This is from the Lord's hand, and you need to understand that as the guiding principle behind wealth as you think about it and discuss it. Before you become hyperjudgmental, hypercritical, or before you brag or boast in what you do have, you must remember that you might be criticizing something that the Lord has done and done as a blessing rather than a curse. It may be the pious thing to say, oh, I feel sorry for rich people, which is usually said by people who don't view themselves as rich. It helps them to cope. So they are sorry for rich people. Is it true that the rich have many trials and troubles that are exceedingly difficult to deal with? Yes. Is it true that poor people have many trials and tribulations that are exceedingly difficult to deal with? And the answer is yes. I do not believe it is necessarily pious to say, oh, I feel so sorry for rich people. But I also don't believe that we can't say, this is God's blessing upon the person. Maybe God, as we read here, has decided to bless somebody with wealth. And He has done so without cursing them. There is biblical evidence for that in the lives of nations and individuals. What does that mean then? It means that nobody can say they are a self-made millionaire. Have you heard that phrase? I know we maybe have to change the million now to billion, but... uh, The idea is that nobody makes themselves rich. God in His providence is behind all things, and most people are highly dependent upon others for the increase of their wealth. And those others are also those whose hearts are in the hand of the Lord. Remember we opened up reading from the Proverbs? It is the heart of the King that the Lord turns and twists to His own purposes. And that's true for everyone. So anyone who has made money has been the recipient of the providence of the Lord in how they have made that money. So the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Some inherit. In fact, the Proverbs discuss this. A good man, and I read this to my dad this week, by the way, I said, do you know, there may be many things that people say about you, but you can overcome that with this proverb A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And this is with my children present. They can verify this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. There is a sense in which a good man thinks not only of his children, but his grandchildren in what he leaves. Can an inheritance lead to problems? Absolutely, but not necessarily. A good man who leaves an inheritance to his children's children is, in the book of Proverbs, obviously also a good man in other realms of his life so that he has raised his children and his children's children in a way in which it would be a blessing. So you mustn't look at it in the abstract where someone can just merely be a good man by leaving a lot of money and thinking, I've done my job. No, a good man is a good man usually in every area of life so that as an inheritance is left, it is also left with wisdom, 
with good work ethics, with godliness, and so on. And so a good man leaves an inheritance. House and wealth are inherited from fathers. That is from Proverbs 19, verse 14. There are many cases where people are able to uh, do things and buy things because their parents have been able to gift them. Some have not had parents who've been able to gift them. In fact, when their parents died, they ended up having to pay for the funeral. When my father's mother died, he had to pay. When my mom's parents died, she had to pay. There was nothing. But that doesn't mean that's the case with everyone. There may be a case where your parents die and there is a great deal. At the end of the day, what are we told? Whether wealth or whether poverty, it is from the Lord. Because God gave you your parents. God arranged your life. And He knows what He's doing precisely with every child of God. It can be a bitter, bitter experience for some to see somebody in the church inherit a large deal of wealth and know that they're not going to. And it causes envy, covetousness. It causes judgmental attitudes. How do you deal with that? You go back to God's Word and you remember that the Lord is the one who gives wealth. Now, an inheritance gained hastily can be a problem. In Proverbs 20, verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. There are some who can get too much too quickly, and that can be the ruin of them. There is a sense in which I think it is usually a good idea that if your parents were to give you something, it would not drastically alter your life because God has given them good years, but you have also worked hard so that it doesn't need to drastically change your life. Could it help you and bless you? Absolutely. But what a wondrous thing to know that your parents could die, but that you have worked hard in your capacity as a Christian so that it would not necessarily need to drastically change your life. Whereas some who get too much too quickly can come to great ruin because they have not developed the type of wise and good habits needed to know what to do with that money. It is a tragic thing that there are people in this nation and other nations who at the certain age, whether 18 or 19, get dumped massive amounts of money and it is almost gone overnight. My sister's husband was telling me about this. His mother is First Nations, indigenous, and he was speaking about the stories about how massive amounts of money are given to certain people so quickly at an age, and within days and weeks and months, that money has been squandered. An inheritance gained too quickly can lead to ruin. Now, it is also true that while the Lord gives, the Lord also blesses diligence. And hard work rarely goes unrewarded. In Proverbs 14.23, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. There are some people who are great talkers of what they're going to do. They're going to be doing this and doing that and they have ideas and all of these types of things. But what we're told is that in hard work there is 
prophet. In Proverbs 21, verse 5, we're told, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Diligence, hard work, that is the way in which you can make money. And in this world, people who work hard will generally be fine. Proverbs are not meant to be absolutes. You can always find an exception in a given circumstance to a Proverbs. They are reflections and observations of generally what occurs in life. And if you are prepared in this world to work hard and to work wisely and to work with a view to God and all those things, there is no reason why you should not be successful. Because God has so etched it into creation that hard work goes rewarded. That is how God has created this world. Could it be true that someone works hard and doesn't go rewarded? Yes, but generally speaking, that is the case. Which is to say, generally speaking, laziness and indulgence doesn't pay. Benjamin Franklin had a uh, comment I quite liked. He said, laziness travels so slowly that... Poverty soon overtakes him. And that's quite true. Is it true that someone could be lazy and have wealth? Yes, but generally speaking, lazy people do not make money. Proverbs 21 verse 5, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You could say those who are lazy. In fact, in Proverbs 21, verse 17, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. Hedonists, people who live for pleasure, they will be poor. Or Proverbs 28, verse 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. There's the blessing of toil and diligence. But he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. It is a shocking, shocking statistic how quickly pro-athletes in various sports end up losing all that they have earned. They go from being a college student one night to signing a multi-multi-million dollar contract the next. And if they get an injury, the statistics on how quickly that money is gone are frightening. There are professional soccer players where the stories of bankruptcy are legion. And they have their hangers on and they buy a new car every month. And the point is that when you are indulgent, you will face many problems. In fact, not only do you face problems with indulgence, but also if you are greedy or stingy, that will also lead to problems. Solomon says in Proverbs 15.27, whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. My brother was visiting this week from Ohio. And last year I was in Victoria at the time of my birthday. And there was a little... Uh, birthday party in the back of my sister's back garden and some of his friends came over and his one friend was getting married that weekend. So that was last year. Within months, his wife is now 
seeing another man, and the one reason given is that he has a gambling problem. Now, I'm not saying she's innocent by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying he's innocent. But I am saying it was a very horrifying reality that people who are greedy for unjust gain will trouble their own household. Gambling can be a very, very serious problem because when you are gambling, you are trying to make money in a way that doesn't fit the biblical picture of how wealth is to be attained. Buying lottery tickets. People say, well, what's wrong with a few dollars on a lottery ticket? People waste money all the time. People drink alcohol and they buy, you know, a $25 bottle when a $17 bottle will do. I'm not suggesting that I may have done that a hundred times, but the point is that what's wrong with just a few dollars on a lottery ticket? What's wrong with going into the gas station and the person across says, are you interested in 649? And you have a weak moment to say, oh, well, why not? It's a sunny day. I was going to get myself two Powerades for 450, but I'll get the lottery ticket. What's the problem? The problem is you are assuming that if you were to actually win that million plus dollars, whatever it may be, that you would be better off, that you would be happier, that you would be responsible enough to deal with all of the temptations that would come from winning millions of dollars. So the question you should be asking yourself is not, is it wrong to spend a few dollars, but can I be trusted with millions of dollars gained so easily rather than through hard work. When things are given to us too easily, we are generally not responsible with them. When people are given things too easily, they don't appreciate them. And that is the case with our children. That is the case with us. There is a very important principle built into how God has made us that when we work for something, we appreciate it. When things are given to us too hastily, too easily, it usually isn't appreciated and can sometimes lead to ruin. Proverbs 28 verse 22 says, A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. I read a great quote this week. The life of a miser, the life of a stingy person, is a play of which we applaud only the closing scene. Nobody likes stingy people. Do you know that? They're not people that you like. When someone is stingy, it is one of the worst characteristics that you can come across. And you know what's interesting? What's interesting is how certain nationalities will sometimes glory in this. And then you go, well, this nationality, yeah, we're cheap, and then they're cheap, and then they're cheap. And people actually, when you come down to it, you realize that maybe this isn't a nationality issue, but a human issue. You can't just blame this side of the world and not that side of the world, or this side of the world and not that side of the world. Stinginess is a human problem. It is a problem where you are not trusting the Lord but you are also not seeking to bless others. There are so many memes on the internet and things of Christians who go and they leave a tip, but instead of a tip, it's a tract. That's not a very good idea, by the way. 
You can leave a tract if you leave a very big tip, yes. But if you leave a tract without a tip, that may be doing and likely will be doing more harm to the gospel than good. A stingy person comes to poverty. And that may be poverty in terms of their social network. That may be poverty because of the very fact that they die and they can take nothing with them. Or it may actually be the fact that they do come to poverty. Do you know a stingy person in your life? Probably thinking of a family member first off. Then maybe a friend. But are you stingy? Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. A stingy person with people almost certainly is first and foremost a stingy person with God. A person who is generous with God is usually a person who is also generous with people. What is true vertically will be true horizontally and vice versa. That is why it's a dangerous thing to be seen as stingy because it may reflect your heart towards God. But something else that's true about money, it doesn't actually buy happiness, but will often buy pride. I'm not saying necessarily, but a rich man, we are told in Proverbs 28 verse 11, is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding, that is someone who actually has understanding, will find him out. I don't believe that wealth and to be wealthy is sinful. I've said that it can be a blessing from God. That some people do know how to wisely use their wealth. Some are very generous. But a lot of the time, not only does money not buy happiness, it will buy you pride. Why? Because money is power in this world. And people love money so much, it is the God of this world in many respects, that they will necessarily treat you differently because you have money in a way that will exacerbate, not diminish your pride. So are there rich people who have a certain way about them, a certain uh, manner in which they act? The answer is yes, very often it is the case. Very often it is the case that rich people who have not learned to be generous towards the Lord and other people can be insufferable and unbearable. Because money is a very dangerous tool in the wrong hands. It does not buy happiness. A study done, one of the most extensive studies done in the happiness course that you can take for free at Yale University has shown that once you make $70,000, this is a few years ago in the United States, once you make $70,000, your happiness after that does not actually go up. And in fact, there becomes a point where the more you make, your happiness starts to diminish. It does not buy happiness. But if it buys pride, pride is a very intense slave master. It requires you to act in a certain way all the times to live up to this identity that you have marked out for yourself as someone who is rich and powerful. It actually can be very stressful being a rich person because of the persona that you have to maintain all of the time. But money also can lead to hypocrisy in two different ways. In Proverbs 13.7, one pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor yet has great wealth. 
You know those young kids who go and buy those expensive pairs of shoes or they buy that really expensive t-shirt? Do you know that having an owl on your t-shirt now shows that you've got an expensive t-shirt? Back when I was a kid, having an owl on your t-shirt would be kind of nerdy, to be honest. Now it's cool. And kids learn from a very young age that they are to have this type of t-shirt with this type of design on it. And people get older and they walk around and they have to have a certain bag. I travel a lot in airports and I can tell you that there are certain bags you have to travel with in the airport. There is a very powerful with social media, shall we say, influence upon people to have the right things. One of my best friends in grade 12 at high school dropped out of high school and worked at a pizza place so that he could buy an XJ12 Jag with a great stereo system and every lunch he would come up to school with this booming jag that was so low to the ground and always scraped with the speed bumps. And then he would say, Jones, we can't go out this weekend. I don't have enough money for gas. He dropped out of high school to have a jag. One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. My dad told me a funny story once of a very wealthy businessman in Victoria. And he was an East Indian businessman. He owned many, many buildings. He, in fact, has a, a building at UVic named after him that he endowed so that he could have his memory. But he would always ride around U, uh, Victoria on this old crockety bike. And some of his friends in the community said, listen, we will buy you a new bike We'll buy you a car. Please stop riding around on this old bike because it's giving a bad impression to our community. There are people who actually glory as they are rich in pretending that they are poor. There are those who glory in being rich when they aren't in fact rich. It's part of the perverseness of human nature. I went back to Cape Town, as some of you will notice, uh, how and why is a, is a rather long story, um, and I will write a book about it one day. But um, when I got there and saw my friend Chester, he says, oh, guess who I bumped into the other week? And I says, well, I don't know. And he, you know when someone expects you to know something and you have no idea what they could possibly be talking about? He says, oh, remember that uh, wealthy pilot and you used to drive a long way to give his son soccer lessons? And I would drive in this old car that guzzled gas and guzzled oil. And Barb and I pulled over on the side of the road once because the oil had gone so much we couldn't get the thing going. And I would go out day after day to teach this useless kid how to play soccer with his mom yelling at him. And even my great training couldn't solve his problems. That's the truth. But I did it out of the goodness of my heart. And he kept saying, I'm going to look after you. I'm going to look after you. Oh yeah, no, don't worry. I'm going to look after you. And the final day I was leaving and I thought, he is going to give me something nice. He was a pilot for South African Airlines. He gave me a bag. One of those little bags from his airline. And I opened the bag to see where all the money was. And there was no money in the bag. And then I think my wife opened the bag to see where all the money was. And there was no money. What is with it? 
There are poor people who pretend to be rich. There are rich people who pretend to be poor. Money does crazy things to people. But what should we be excited about? We should be excited about the fact that God actually rewards the generous. God rewards those who give. Coming back to our text, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then what? Your barns will be filled with plenty, not less. And your vats will be bursting with wine. If you are not doing well financially, what is the best thing that you can do? And I don't care about money in this church, honestly. I know we've got enough. I have to endure the uh, AGM every year to find that out. So I'm not worried when I say this. The best thing that you can do is to honor the Lord with what you have. Very often, the first thing that goes is, oh, the church is fine, you know, I need to save here and that. But that's not what the text is saying. The text is actually saying, if you honor the Lord with your first fruits, He will bless you. He will make you prosper. But people don't do that because they lack faith that God really will bless you in your time of need. And you wonder why some people remain poor because they don't trust the Lord. Not always the case, but very often, people first stop giving to God. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Do you want to reap bountifully? Give bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You cannot lose when you seek to bless the Lord with your wealth. It is because God makes rich. God adds blessing. And if that first principle is true, which I started with, this last principle is true, that as you honor God, God will honor you. Just by way of conclusion, what then is the solution to the problem of money. The solution to the problem of money is always the Gospel. Once you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that God took such care to take care of your salvation in the most glorious way, how can you then go from the greater and not believe the lesser? How can you not then trust the Lord with your money? You say, I trust the Lord with my salvation, with my eternal destiny. How can you not trust the Lord then with your money? Why would you be miserly if God has been so generous towards you? You see, people who are miserly, people who do not want to give to the work of the kingdom, ultimately have not really grasped the extent to which the Gospel has shaped their lives. If you believe that God has given you Christ and along with Him all things, then you can never outgive the Lord. Never. And if you come to me and say, you know what, Pastor, I've given too much this year to the church and now I can't eat. Come and tell me. Come and tell me that. And now I can't have water. The point is, if you give to the Lord and if you concern yourself with being generous, God will bless you. And that's something that Reformed 
pulpits have shied away from because of all of the abuses of the health, wealth, and prosperity. But that doesn't mean that we throw out the baby with the bathwater. Wealth is a blessing. And there is a way to get wealth. And that is by giving rather than grabbing. It is by being generous rather than being a miser. And so as the Gospel grips you and as you trust the Lord, it will also free you to give because ultimately you know that what most matters is not how wealthy you are in terms of your finances, but how secure your soul is with the Lord. God loves a cheerful giver. Imagine struggling with assurance while being a cheerful giver. It doesn't make sense. You're a cheerful giver. You can be assured that God loves you because God loves a cheerful giver. I did joke a little bit earlier about having an offering tonight, but that's not really the point, is it? The point is, does God have your heart and does He have your trust? And so whether it's next week or five weeks or five years from now, will you be prepared to simply give to the Lord knowing that you're giving to something far greater that He can use for His glory and for your good? Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this topic and we do not shy away from it because of the problems that money invariably causes with those whose hearts have not been softened by the Gospel. But rather we run to the topic knowing that if our hearts have been changed and if we trust in the God of all grace, we can afford to be generous and to be generous knowing that You will ultimately bless us in one way or another. And so we pray, Lord, bless our efforts, whatever they may be, but also stir up in us a more generous spirit towards others so that we may show the power of the Gospel in every area of our life. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.